the studios of WBAA Public Radio in West Lafayette. This is Indiana Public Broadcasting's monthly conversation with Purdue University President Mitch Daniels. I'm Stan Jastrzewski. Thanks for listening to the show on your Indiana Public Broadcasting station this month. If ever you'd like to get a question on the show, email that to ask at WBAA.org. And you can tweet your questions at WBAA News on Twitter. Well, I've been watching uh, you engage with some different technologies on campus in the last several weeks. The day before we taped this, you got to ride an electric Harley-Davidson motorcycle. You are a longtime Harley owner yourself. And a couple weeks ago, you got the first order from a new robotic food delivery service on campus. There are these little white six-wheeled robots going around campus. I got to know, what would you order? It was a, uh, a chicken and rice concoction, and it was very, very good. came from the Cozy uh, restaurant, as I recall, one okay. of the seven or eight uh, food sources that are now uh, available there. Yeah, no, I, the technology I need right now is in the healthcare area. Your listeners should be avi- advised. There's nothing wrong with your radio. Uh, I've got my uh, once-a-year cold showed up early this year. Well, uh, you know, the, the technology on, on Purdue's campus might be able to solve that at some point, you would think. Well, it, that'd, be, that'd be very welcome. But these others uh, uh, were, were, were each fun, and I think uh, collectively, along with some other um, precedents we can, we can remember, Amazon's uh, uh, new facility here being another example. I think what it reflects is, first of all, that Purdue is seen as a... Um, center of innovation, place that where people are pursuing it and, and uh, creating uh, new technologies and, and uh, new knowledge. And secondly, that uh, we're a place that's eager to try things out. And, w- and as you do, I, I, what I've noticed is that as we've done a few things that are a little bit different, it makes it more likely that the next innovator who wants to have a beta site or a, um, a pilot program or just debut something uh, thinks of us and that we like it that way and um, so we've been excited to see each of these come here and we've got uh, at least one more uh, coming soon that I think will fit that same pattern. Can you talk about that? Well it has to do with transportation on our campus. I don't want to get ahead of our partner here but it's it's very very close uh, and I don't think we've necessarily announced it but we're looking for a more uh, uh, effective and convenient ways to move students and others around campus. Is this, the, is this the transportation that's going from the edges of campus to the center of campus? There was a press release just this morning, actually, just before we started taping this. Okay, well, I, it, did it involve uh, our friends at Cummins? Yes. Okay, then I, I just didn't want to get out ahead of that. Well, what this is, uh, uh, a little bit of a uh, uh, of an on-call option as opposed to uh, bus routes which are fixed and uh, buses traveling around sometimes largely empty. The... the uh, Experiment will be to see whether smaller uh, vehicles, van-sized vehicles, that are uh, callable, uh, like a Lyft or an Uber, from a phone, and will come to where you are and take you to where you want to go, uh, whether that might work better. And ultimately, if it does, the idea is you might have these uh, vehicles be electric and serve our sustainability uh, goals. But... Uh, uh, is this something that's going to be at a cost to people who want to use it or no. subsidized by the school? Yeah, it'll, it'll be like, like the bus service we have now. But the, the, uh, I think the ambition is to see whether instead of waiting X minutes for the next bus to come along and then taking it to five places you don't want to go till you can get off at the place you do want to go, whether uh, there wouldn't be a market on at least selected routes. I think they're going to try it on two of our routes to start with. 
for a, a more, I'm going to say, Uber-like uh, option, um, which we're very hopeful about. But I will just, I just want to uh, point out that um, I think we have a deserved reputation as a place which is uh, always open to the new idea. And so it becomes more and more likely as we do one after another that people bring them to us maybe a little uh, earlier than they would take them somewhere else. I was thinking about this as a place that essentially has 40 or 45,000 willing customers who like to try new things, new gadgets, and you've got, therefore, a significant potential customer base to offer to people who want to come. And I wondered if there was not just the the potential there, but also if you had to be a little bit wary of that, because obviously you have a great deal of information on Purdue students and faculty and staff, and that information is worth a lot to customers who might come to the university. How do you balance that need for keeping some amount of privacy, but also wanting to encourage that sort of investment? I think we just have to be sensitive to it. I'm I'm sitting here trying to think if we've ever even gotten close to a issue like that. I, none comes to mind, but it's it's a good thing to be very uh, alert to. Uh, but uh, uh, the kind of data that people like um, um, our, our robot deliverers or uh, the Cummins transportation experiment, they're not interested in individualized data. They're interested in the aggregate. How does a population our size use or not use uh, their technology in the aggregate. And um, uh, that's something that we're, that, uh, we're interested in, too. And again, I, I like the fact that, that we are seem to be one of the first places that comes to somebody's mind when they uh, have uh, a new um, uh, uh, innovation to uh, try out. What does a company ask of the university in terms of guarantees or access or something like that, what is a common sort of negotiation that the school might have with one of these companies in terms of what they want as not a guarantee up front, but, you know, something that justifies their investment? Oh, I think just our cooperation. I don't think we've ever been asked to guarantee or indemnify anybody, for, in other words, to assure their success. Um, Amazon didn't, and the, and uh, our... Uh, our robot the, uh, friends didn't and Cummins didn't. Um, but if we can be a receptive uh, a test bed and a partner to help somebody um, uh, try out in, in the real world context their new technology, that's good for everyone. And, uh, and as you indicated, uh, occasionally it's a little fun for our community. This is Indiana Public Broadcasting's monthly conversation with Purdue University President Mitch Daniels. You may always email your questions to ask at WBAA.org, and you can tweet us at WBAA News on Twitter. We had talked in an earlier one of these programs about a recent decision made by the Tippecanoe County Board of Elections not to let Purdue IDs that did not have expiration dates be used anymore as valid photo IDs for voting purposes. This comes after a ruling by the state election division. Purdue responded by saying, all right, we're going to put those on all of the IDs for the incoming freshmen, um, but said they'll keep the charges for students who are not incoming freshmen but want to get these new IDs. There were some people who didn't like that decision. Some people even called it a poll tax. There were a number of people who pointed out that doesn't actually meet the statutory definition of what a poll tax is. 
the school declined again to take away those fees. Tell me about that discussion process. Well, we haven't. As a matter of fact, we're very open to doing something here. I've uh, had a conversation with the uh, Senate leader this morning. We're going to have some more this week. We'll we'll try to work something out. I mean, there have been some silly things said. Uh, people probably with their, their own agendas, maybe can rather absurd comments like poll taxes. I mean, we didn't create this situation. We're not in the elections business, but if we can help um, a, a, some students, we're talking about out-of-state students who uh, uh, have not gotten, for instance, an Indiana driver's license or any other credential, who uh, uh, would rather uh, not go get the free one at the nearby BMV, but uh, maybe we can help those. Nobody actually has come in for one yet, but there might be some more. And so we're gonna we're gonna try to work something out. I think the Senate, faculty Senate, taken a made some good points here. One in particular that that appeals to me or matters to me, as you know, uh, we are. Uh, uh, I think we have uh, an opportunity, maybe a duty, to send our graduates into the world. I sometimes say civic certified. Whatever's going on with Americans at large, young people at large, college graduates at large being really ignorant of American history and civic institutions, um, we'd like our graduates to be differentiated from that. We just, the faculty, the Senate's shown a lot of leadership here, too, and they uh, administered a rather simple uh, survey, uh, a national uh, questionnaire that others had developed, to uh, thousands of our incoming freshmen. And depending which question you looked at, uh, from a low of maybe 10% up to a high of 40, 50, 60%, they were missing these you know, fairly basic questions. And so there's some ground to be covered. And, just, and uh, uh, so we're going to work on that. The idea would be that through some simple, non-burdensome uh, mechanism to be able to, for our students to take out into the world uh, on their transcript a certification that they had a basic civics knowledge. Okay, since that matters to us, any little thing we can do, if it don't, even if it only involves a handful of students in the end, so you might, we should you try might to do. be willing to do this on a case-by-case basis? Yeah, uh, well, we're going to work out a system that, uh, that certainly addresses that problem. The student who wants to vote, an out-of-state student who wants to vote in an Indiana election and lacks the uh, credentials which others, the state election board and the local election board, have now decided are required. So if we can help, we're uh, going to try to do that. And uh, we appreciate the uh, interest of the uh, Senate and others and the suggestions they've made. Does that mean you might be willing to waive the fee in some of those cases? Yeah, it does, you know. Uh, and um, there are a couple practical issues to be ironed out about how we do this. And uh, But I think it'll just in a couple of days we can. Okay. Speaking of um, money issues, you commented recently on the the slower than expected growth of the number of students who are taking Purdue Global classes. Can you tell me first what's enrollment like now, and what had you hoped it would be? That's well, around uh, thirty thousand. That's um, uh, we had uh, hoped it might be somewhat larger than that. Although enrollment um, in raw numbers is really not what the thing to look at. Um, the enrollment we are most interested in that is students pursuing bachelor's degrees and master's degrees, is up double digits. And this is in a market, an overall market, that's only growing at 2%. So Global's outgrowing the market, and it's especially doing so in the, in the degrees that we think are most important. Now, meanwhile, um, uh, associate's degrees and 
certificates in somewhat vocational uh, areas are are down, and that's okay. Uh, you know, that's really not the the target we've been aiming at. But uh, you know, I just made a tried to make an honest response to a question at a at a forum and said, no, the, we're growing, but uh, we had anticipated that the market would continue growing as it had been, and it slowed down. But uh, global's outgrowing the market, and especially in the areas of greatest concern. You know, we've virtually tripled the number of Hoosiers pursuing a degree at Purdue Global. That was certainly a... Pursuing any sort of a degree? Associates uh, not, or bachelors? I or... think I'm talking bachelors here. Okay. Um, and, and many of those Hoosiers, incidentally, are... Uh, Purdue employees who can do it for free, and uh, so uh, we're we're very happy about that. But um, uh, you know, the uh, we met with the Commission on Higher Education just yesterday about their new strategic plan, and they've had for some time a huge focus on uh, uh, raising the level of college attainment in Indiana, and they think Global's exactly the um, the uh, direction that and and a, and a and a way to get there that they've been looking for. One of the things I've been meaning to ask you about this, and I've sort of looked into it myself as a Purdue University employee, of would it be possible for me to pursue another master's degree if if somewhere down the line, say hypothetically, I wanted to change careers, you know what would happen? And so I started looking at things. You know, I I, I looked at a, a quick cross reference of, for instance, master's degrees that Purdue Global offers and careers that are expected to grow. And there's and one that came to mind immediately was computer science management. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a, a topic about which I know absolutely zero um, computer science. I cannot code to save my life. But I wondered, what would happen to somebody like me who has no, who's never taken a computer science class but might be interested in this topic? How does Purdue Global screen people like that in terms of the admission process? Do you have to have prerequisites like you would to get into a normal bachelor's degree if you were an 18-year-old seeking to go into college? Uh, uh, Purdue Global is a so-called open enrollment institution. So if you have a high school, this this is at the bachelor level now, if you have a high school diploma, uh, you are admissible. Um, now, qualifications for master's programs would probably be different, and I shouldn't, uh, I don't want to... Uh, get beyond what I know on that subject, but uh, clearly um, um, the the typical can, uh, uh, candidate uh, at Purdue Global, at least for now, and the one we were most interested in in making this uh, step, expansion of Purdue services, is that person who already has some college and then got stuck. Right, no degree. And and there the issue is how much, uh, how much um, credit to give for the schooling they did, and occasionally for the life experiences they've had. Military um, um, service being a good example. A lot of people in the military, men and women from the military, have learned a lot about, for instance, computers, even though they didn't attend a class at a conventional university first. And so uh, Global always looks at that and tries to establish a fair starting point uh, for the student. Got about 10 minutes left with Purdue University President Mitch Daniels on this Indiana Public Broadcasting's monthly conversation with him. I'm Stan Jastrzewski. Thanks for being with us. You can email questions for future shows to ask at WBAA.org, and we'll try to get those responded to. There has been some talk among the faculty recently about uh, the putting of a Chick-fil-A location on campus. I wanted to address this with you. And for people who haven't 
been listening to this discussion, some of this comes from the fact that the company's founders are devoted Christians who, among other things, close all the locations of Chick-fil-A's across the country on Sundays. Um, They also have a different stance on gay marriage than the law of the land. And I believe that's probably the big thing that's causing some consternation here. The school put out a statement saying the proprietor of the campus location has to adhere to all Purdue policies on inclusion, inclusion and equality. I want to talk about this actually from a 30,000 foot level with you, if I can. So what, if anything, would cause the university to look at a proposal from a business that wants to locate on campus and and actually say, no, I don't think we can do that. Like what what's the baseline there? I suppose if somebody practiced discrimination, uh, that uh, that'd be one reason. But, um, you know, nothing like that applied here. And I thought it was just very important to uh, uh, quash this thing at the outset, lest anyone get the impression we would ever seriously consider doing something like this. You know, I think the statement made it plain. I think there was some, I'm sure, sincerity, but some real intellectual confusion among the proponents. You know, you don't promote choice by denying a choice that thousands of our students and uh, our staff, clearly an overwhelming majority of students, staff, and I believe faculty, would like to have this choice on campus. Every time we took a survey, it was number one. We had petitions from thousands of people. We checked with the clerical staff, and they were only upset because there wasn't enough uh, supply uh, and uh, it wasn't easily enough to get. You know, we would not make a decision like this based on uh, to deprive people of a choice based on a even a big majority uh, vote, but in this case, it wasn't there. And then secondly, this is no way to practice inclusion by excluding a perfectly legitimate business. This business doesn't have any position on anything. Its founders eight years ago did when a whole lot of other prominent Americans did. You know, Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, and others were, uh, you know, their their views evolved over time on this subject. And um, so we wouldn't exclude people for that reason either no i mean i th- i think it was a. Uh, it does not appear though that the the there's there's been no public knowledge that i've seen that the chick-fil-a founders have had that similar evolution in thinking and 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 or following what is now the law which wasn't eight years ago don't know haven't seen any statement but again it's it, it's not the point the company doesn't have the company uh, agrees the young woman purdue grad who's uh great young entrepreneur uh, who is the local operator, has signed the same non-discrimination uh, pledge that we ask of all our vendors. And so they're, they're fully qualified and legitimate. And once again, this is something that has been requested. The, the, the student government passed a resolution earlier this year urging the school to uh, bring them in. And uh, so we're responding to all that. And, uh, you know, I hope that maybe it's a little bit of a learning moment. Those who, for, I guess, emotional reasons, uh, suggested exclusion maybe uh, uh, can have some second thoughts. Um, We talked last year on the program when the university decided to give back some money that had been donated by John Schnatter, the founder of Papa John's Pizza, after he had been found to have made some racist comments What's the difference between that and the the Chick-fil-A founders saying we don't recognize same-sex marriage? What, what's the difference in terms of well, eight inclusionary years, language? Well, I don't want to parse language, but you know, eight years ago, they weren't talking about their own business as he was. Uh, they don't practice uh, any uh, 
a, a, a policy that we wouldn't approve of. And um, uh, so uh, that was not a, cl- not a close call, let me just put it that way. And, and may I just say that the mail and the reaction we've gotten so far is unanimous. I'm sure not every last person out there agrees, but let me just say that uh, many, many people found that proposal of exclusion here uh, uh, very unjustified and uh, distasteful. On to some other things. Uh, When they meet in a couple of weeks here, the Purdue trustees are going to consider whether to restrict betting on Purdue sports, which just became legal uh, as part of the state's statewide betting infrastructure on the first of this month. Uh, they want to restrict betting on Purdue sports by faculty and staff. Is that something you're behind? I don't think any of us knows yet. Uh, again, I want to give credit to uh, members of the Senate the, who first faculty Senate or university Senate who first raised this question. And it's a question right now. Should we uh, consider such a prohibition? And uh, I really think that uh, we very well um, should decide to do this, but it needs to be examined. Um, there's just a, an intuitive feeling that here and there an athlete might feel self-conscious or reluctant to um, uh, take advantage of uh, interactions with faculty or others uh, if, um, if the uh, um, thought was some of these folks might be betting on him, her, or their team. And um, uh, so it's a brand new question. As far as we know, no other school has e- it's even has occurred. This question has occurred uh, at any other place yet. But I think it needs to, because it very well may be that uh, we should just take the course of complete safety and um, and restraint here. There's already very clear policies extending a course across not just our athletes but the whole athletic department. But I think the the faculty members who first brought this up um, uh, are uh, were right to to question and be a little bit troubled that uh, that might not go far enough. So I'm glad we're looking at it. Don't want to prejudge the outcome because um, we, uh, we've got a lot to explore here. But I, absolutely the right thing to raise it, and uh, I think it's really responsible for our trustees to move quickly because gambling in this state is now a reality. And if we're going to do something that uh, is 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 protective here, then now's the now's the time. You, as a a sports fan and a student of history, as I am, probably are aware of the the point shaving scandals that have happened in college basketball in the past. Um, and and I actually, I was looking this morning at them, and there were even far more than I realized there were. I knew of uh, half a dozen, and there are more than that. And so this has happened. And the uh, ones who got away with it. Uh, that's probably true. So, But between about the late 40s and the early 80s, there were you know eight or ten of these things that were, that were big news when they happened. Um, is that a concern here? Is that, that, that game fixing and the influence of the gamblers on the actual outcome of games is something that could return? Well, I think everybody should be bothered by that. That's, that was a question when all this was legalized in the first place. So that's going to be a risk um, out there regardless. I, I trust that it'll never uh, be a whisper of any such thing around Purdue Athletics, but uh, you know, there's so much money involved, and um, uh, I think it's 
more likely than not that that problems of that kind arise somewhere. Um, I think here um, no one is fearing or suggesting that we'd be likely to see anything like that occur if we um, if we have no policy against gambling by faculty or staff or others. But it just might be behoove a, a place like this to say um, uh, no gambling on our teams and uh, free, uh, free to do what you want um, elsewhere, but just to remove any implication, any in, in concern that it might affect behavior or affect uh, um, maybe the uh, academic uh, lives of some of our athletes. Um, again, I'm very glad that someone brought this up, and I look forward to a conversation where we all think it through very, very carefully. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how something like that would be policed. Well, that's another that's another great question. So um, all we've said for the moment is, you know, maybe this would be a good idea. Now let's think about the problems that, that it might head off, and let's think about how you would put it into effect if you decided to do so. While we're on the subject of sports, one of the things we didn't get to last month that I wanted to address today was there's been conversation about whether to move the Old Oak and Bucket game, the annual football game between Purdue and IU, to a neutral site, something like a Lucas Oil Stadium, which is conveniently pr- pretty much halfway between the two schools, has a pretty big capacity, I think probably bigger than either Memorial Stadium or ross Stadium, certainly if it's big enough to hold a Super Bowl, the Super Bowl committee requires you to have something like 70 or 72,000 seats that you can move in. Um, and there's been some discussion. It seems like Purdue might be more okay with it than IU, which seems to want to quash the idea. What have been your conversations with any of your counterparts down south about this? Well, the listeners can't see it, but I'm waving the white flag here. You give up. I, you yeah, surrender. I do. This was, this was I think, my idea. Um, I, I had batted it around with people in the past. So I think I was the first person to um, pop off about it in public. I still think it's a really good idea. There are a lot of great rivalries that are played on neutral fields, Army, Navy, Texas, Oklahoma, Florida, Georgia, there's a whole bunch of them, Auburn, Alabama. Um, uh, this, the real problem here to me was we are stuck on Thanksgiving weekend. If you want it to be the last game of the year, and, you, and the Big Ten has now moved to 12-game schedule. It, we can't get off Thanksgiving weekend, and nobody's on either campus. So I think it hurts the gate, hurts the atmosphere. Um, it conflicts for a lot of people with Thanksgiving plans, family plans, and others. So I thought if we're going to be on Thanksgiving, you know, downtown Indianapolis, as you say, halfway between could be a great place, might be a little easier for a large crowd to get together. But IU doesn't want to do it. It takes two to tango. And, um, uh, you know, there's it's not the first idea that uh, I thought was a good one that uh, couldn't uh, couldn't get done. So uh, glad we raised it. But it'll still be a great event uh, in its traditional venues. I just think that maybe we missed an opportunity. Did you have any conversations with the folks down there or with Fred Glass, who I know you know and have worked with in the past, any conversations going, hey, might you change your opinion down Yeah, there? sure, lots of them, and, and trustees talk to trustees. There were, I think it's, well, it's accurate. I think it's okay to say there were there were folks at IU who were very intrigued with the idea, but not everybody. And and there it, there would have been some practical problems, I understand. But uh, uh, as I say, 
uh, I think it's always good practice to float new ideas and explore new ideas. Not all of them turn out to be the right uh, the right one. We just finished talking about uh, this uh, sports gambling thing that uh, might or might not lead to a, a new a policy. And this is just one that uh, was interesting, but didn't uh, didn't get sufficient support. Okay, so waving the white flag in this room, but not on Thanksgiving weekend, right? No, uh, no. We look forward <laughs> to continuing our uh, Jeff Rom's unbeaten string. All right. Well, uh, that's all the time we've got. Thanks as always for your time, and uh, I hope the cold subsides soon. This has been Indiana Public Broadcasting's monthly conversation with Purdue University President Mitch Daniels. You may send your questions for future shows at any time to our email address, ask at wbaa.org. And all of these shows are archived at our website as well. I'm Stan Jastrzewski. Enjoy the rest of your day.